Praise God. Uh, many of you are sights for sore eyes, not just because you have overcome elements to come here, but uh, because it's been a while since many of you were well. And so we thank God for restoring your health. We thank God for uh, bringing our brother Charlie back safely. Um, we're in chapter 10 of uh, Battle Plan for the Mind. Uh, and chapter 10 is titled, The Benefits of Meditation. Uh, and it's really one benefit uh, of medita- meditation, and that is uh, taking the word uh, more deeply uh, into the heart. Uh, you know, all of the different uh, things that you see on the list, the chapter basically follows an outline of uh, eight different areas uh, in which uh, meditation benefits us. Deepening of repentance, resolve to fight sin, heart affection for the Lord, growth in grace, uh, comfort and assurance to the soul, joy, thankfulness, and contentment, uh, maturing the Christian experience, and then knowledge and retention of God's word. Uh, You'll see that uh, six of those eight uh, are things that uh, happen to some extent when you read your Bible, or to some extent... Uh, when you hear preaching, uh, you know, repent, turning from your sin, resolving to fight it, etc. Uh, but the moment in reading your Bible or the moment in sitting under preaching and having one of these heart responses, for instance, taking comfort from the gospel or being stirred up in your affection towards God or, uh, or uh, a moment of joy and thankfulness is... I hope you often have when you read or when you hear the Bible um, or hear it preached. Uh, that moment can easily uh, can easily be fleeting, uh, and we rise from our reading or we go out uh, from the worship or we go into uh, the week. Sorry, or we go into the week and. Uh, the repentance or the resolve to fight sin or, or that moment of the, the heart being inflamed with love to God or drawing solid comfort uh, is lost. Uh, and suddenly we're not so resolved to fight our sin. We're not living in repentance. We're barely thinking of God. Uh, we're full of anxiety instead of comfort. Uh, so what meditation does uh, is it... It is an exercise or a habit of dwelling upon the Word of God through which he gives us uh, all of these things uh, that that the work that he does in us might penetrate more deeply. Uh, And so uh, number four and number seven in his uh, eight benefits uh, are really uh, the fruit of or the the result of uh, all of these other ones, the, the six other ones that he lists penetrating more deeply. So growing in grace uh, and becoming mature in our Christian experience. You know, often we'll have a theological idea that we, uh, that we think is uh, maybe quite clever or novel or, um, uh, or an application of it that we uh, get excited about. Uh, but if we dwell upon that idea uh, in the scripture and before the Lord, uh, we can sometimes 
by God's mercy to us, be brought out of what was really childish and we just didn't uh, identify it at, at first. But there's also just the seasoning of repeated meditation, being someone whose heart and mind are often with the Lord. Uh, that uh, That is part of how the Lord gives Christian maturity. Uh, and if you think about it, uh, if you think about it, it uh, it's really a reflection of what the Lord Jesus teaches in the parable of the soils, uh, isn't it? Some of it, some of the parable of the soils addresses what happens in the moment of preaching, right? Is uh, Are we uh, listening as someone who is hard uh, and the preaching is just bouncing right off of us um, or going you know, through our ears in one ear out the other? Um but other aspects of the parable of the soils really addressing what, what we do with the word after we hear the preaching. Uh, are we taking it into the heart? Is the seed uh, then being nourished and sprouting and growing? Uh, are we dwelling upon his word at least to the extent that our hearts and minds dwell upon the pleasures of life or the anxieties of life. You remember that particular seed where uh, either the pleasures or the anxieties uh, of this world are too strong for the, the sprout that comes out and, and choke it. Uh, and so if you have had the experience in your Christian walk of many times reading your Bible and, uh, and having a thrilling response to, to God, the Spirit blesses it, blesses that portion of His words to you. Or uh, many times sitting under preaching and having same experience of God, uh, but it's not carrying out into your life. Well, the parable of the soils, and especially uh, uh, Psalm one nineteen, and uh, and all of the reflection upon dwelling upon uh, the the Lord's word and. Uh, and having it have the controlling uh, interest in what goes on in our minds and hearts uh, may give you the key that you've been missing. Uh, you may need you may need to uh, set aside time for dwelling upon what you've heard in the preaching or dwelling upon something that has struck you in the reading. Uh, and so take that moment uh, and you know this is, Maybe a little uh, too nuts and bolts. It's not a thus saith the Lord, just uh, a little uh, pious advice from your pastor. Maybe have a meditations journal. Uh, and don't be too, uh, too wordy in it. Just when you're reading your Bible or when you're sitting under preaching, if there's something with which the Lord strikes you, you know, put down the text or whatever the thought and whatever the thought is from the text, uh, and then bring it back to a time of meditation where you're going to set, set aside time really to dwell on that. Uh, and the best place to start, of course, is the Lord's Day. Uh, I suspect many of you are like I and my family are. Uh, it takes a lot of effort once we leave, the, leave this place to keep our hearts and minds uh, in, a, in a proper frame for the Lord's Day, even when we're just going up the hill. And, uh, but if you have something that you have selected to spend time thinking on, uh, you can take uh, and set aside time for that. It's also one of the reasons why um, sometimes uh, or regularly in the preaching, I'll remind you 
that you're supposed to be hearing preaching as an act of worship, not just getting new information, not just enjoying a connection of ideas, but interacting with God in the preaching, uh, thanking him for the comforts, uh, praising him for his perfections, receiving his chastenings or, uh, or rebukes, making commitments to him, making vows, and then paying your vows uh, to him. Uh, and if you are having that sort of interaction with him uh, in the preaching, and of course we recommend that you do it in the reading as well, if you're having that sort of interaction with him, then you are very, uh, then you are primed, as it were, uh, to you know, get these uh, eight benefits or eight areas of benefit when you come back because you've already made a beginning in it and now when you come to meditate uh, upon his word, upon a truth from his word before him, you're continuing something that has begun between you and the Lord. There's a familiarity, there's a carrying on of, of relationship and interaction, uh, interaction with him. Uh, I um, uh, I grew up in a church where uh, you would sometimes hear, um, I don't have a religion, I have a relationship. Um, I don't know if anyone else has ever heard that sort of thing. Well, the Lord gives us a relationship that is by way of religion. He gives us a relationship that is maintained in morning and evening times with him, in Lord's days with him. Uh, in worship that, yes, is it not streaming? He gives us a relationship that is by way of religion. And one of the most intimate parts of the religion that he has given us is this meditating upon his word before him. Um, if you don't have this uh, intimate uh, interaction with the Lord uh, in times of meditation, uh, then this is something that you need to add to your Christian life. Uh, so the eight benefits then. Meditation deepens repentance. Uh, he uh, highlights a Puritan work that's written from Haggai chapter 1. Consider your ways. Uh, at the time, the people had built and were enjoying their nice houses. They had instruction from God to build the temple, but they hadn't built the temple. And the Lord was frustrating uh, their economics. Uh, and, uh, and he... Uh, comes by Haggai, and in chapter 1, verse 5, and chapter 1, verse 7, uh, he urges them to uh, consider their ways. Uh, and the Lord did bring them to repentance by the prophet's word and their consideration of his ways. Uh, and so if there's something that you have had difficulty repenting of, uh, mentioned before Owen's, uh, uh, Owen's three works, uh, and much of that is considering um, uh, our ways. Uh, you remember recently, I hope, in the in the serial readings in Timothy, Second Timothy two, twenty four through twenty six, 
uh, one of the reasons that Timothy was to engage in this teaching ministry was because was in the hope that those whom he taught would be brought to repentance. And so teaching and consideration of what is being taught is one of the ways the Lord brings us to repentance. Uh, he says uh, at some point, nobody took up my offer, so I'm going to give you page numbers and so forth. Uh, meditation uh, is a means by which Scripture probes uh, the depths of our heart. Uh, uh, so page uh, page 106, I can't find it just now on the page, but I'm pretty sure that that's where it was. Uh, meditation is a means by which uh, Scripture probes the depths of our heart. We expect that, because the Scripture itself says that His Word is living and active. And it reveals the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. Uh, if you're frustrated by the thoughts and intentions of your heart, escaping your ability to address them or even identify them, well, the Lord has told you how he does that to us. He says uh, in Hebrews 4, 11 through 13, verse 13 says, we're already laid bare to God. The scripture isn't there to lay us bare to God. He sees everything, doesn't he? And so if we want to repent and we want help in repentance, he gives his word as a means uh, by which our, our hearts are laid bare to ourselves. Uh, meditation forces us to face and own our sins before God. It's much easier in conversation with other people to think of sin as something that belongs to others, uh, that people generally need to deal with. But when it's just you and God, uh, there's something about the intimacy of that interaction with him that the Spirit uses to make us feel the greatness of the evil that we ourselves are committing and to help us to real repentance. Um, meditation also gives opportunity to bring our will under the shaping effect of God's will. The more time you spend with him considering his word, and particularly as it touches um, uh, touches our sin, uh, the more you and God are, the more you perceive uh, and participate in your alliance with God against your sin. Uh, this is something that we know in all of our other relationships. Uh, husband and wife that are dealing with a problem and, uh, and their hearts are inclined to be set against one another uh, in the problem. The problem becomes an occasion for them to be opposed to one another, the more they talk it through with each other, the more they come into an alliance and attack the problem together, even if the problem was something between them. Uh, well, uh, that which is, uh, is useful uh, for a healthy marriage uh, is useful for a healthy relationship with the Lord. Uh, spend time with him in his word about whatever it is that you're dealing with in your life, especially a sin that you're dealing with in your life, so that you can be brought into line with him and attack the sin. Um, apart from uh, meditation, apart from spiritual exercises, we are very likely to continue to hide and nurture a sin so long as no other people can see it or detect it. 
uh, well, the Lord can always see it and detect it. And meditation is a way of coming uh, and spending time with him. Um, there are, of course, a, uh, a big, a, quite a collection of quotes from Puritan books, and I re- recommend them all to you. Um, next section, uh, meditation increases your resolve to fight sin. Um, uh, we actually are in an age in the church in which uh, you first have to establish that sin is something to fight. Uh, but even for those who fight sin, uh, haven't we found that we are not as strong and steady and consistent in our resolve uh, to fight it? Uh, and so meditation before God is one of the things by which he gives us help. Uh, if you're fighting sin uh, in your individual meditating times with God, uh, then you will more and more be the same in private as you are in public. Uh, this is one of the, the great problems, the superficiality uh, in our walk with the Lord. We tend, uh, if we're superficial with God, we tend to be one thing in front of other people and another thing when we're by ourselves uh, or just with uh, our family or maybe not our family, maybe we're trying to keep up appearances for them too. Uh, but meditation then increases our Resolve to fight sin. And that's very closely tied uh, to the first section. Um, Third section, meditation flames heart affection for the Lord. Um, He notes uh, on page 108 that uh, spiritual fervor and zeal are easily lost. Uh, There's a wonderful quote here from Haywood, holy thoughts... Uh, excite holy affect, uh, heavenly affections. Uh, the reason I um, love that quote is, first of all, it follows the truth of the Bible. Uh, but second of all, we live in an age in which Christianity is thought to consist entirely of affections. And there are all sorts of things used to produce affections. But how can we know that those affections are actually heavenly? Well, the Lord in his word teaches us that it's the consideration of truth, truth about him, who he is, what he is like, what he has done, what he is doing, what he has promised, uh, truth about ourselves, truth about others made in the image of God, truth about my brothers and sisters united to Christ and one with him and indwelt by his spirit. There are all of these amazing truths. We don't need to manipulate affections. We just need to follow the order that God has given us in considering great truths uh, and having our holy thoughts excite our heavenly uh, affections. Um, Another quote. This must be from page 109, although I... My eyes can't find it right now. Um, When we lose our hearts for him, God desires not only for us to pray for help. Of course, we cry out to him as soon as we're becoming cold and dull, but to actively focus our minds upon his truth. Uh, And so something for you to think about even now and maybe later. Uh, Do you use the truth? 
to inflame your heart. Uh, meditation increases growth in grace. This is important because growing in grace is a command. Many of us, I'm afraid, teach uh, growth in grace as a, a pious or a religiously proper wish, something we all wish we did more. Uh, but it's actually an imperative uh, in Second Peter uh, 3.18. Uh, grow by the grace and the knowledge uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if growth in grace is commanded, then use of the means of grace is, is commanded by implication, isn't it? How are you going to grow, grow in grace? Are you just kind of going to try and will for more grace to come out in you? Do, do we have it in us? That, no, the Lord has given us the ways by which he grows us. And so when he commands us to grow in grace, what is he doing but telling you to use those means and to trust that he who gave the means blesses them? If you tell someone it's a command to grow in grace, uh, they may say, well, only God can grow you in grace. After all, the word is grace, and it sounds very theological, very reformed, doesn't it? But God is the one who gave the imperative. And so there's a, there's a sweetness in trusting in him and depending upon him to bless what he has appointed that is combined with this devotion to the things that he has commanded. Those two things aren't opposed to one another. Uh, and so use the means, uh, meditate and grow, because God will give you the growth. He has never failed to keep one of his promises, uh, and he has never been unfaithful. So meditation increases growth in grace. Meditation provides comfort and assurance to the soul. Uh, he gives three texts from Psalm 119. Uh, he gives uh, one text, Psalm 42, verse 5, but uh, of course it's repeated in 42, verse 11, and 43, verse 5. Those two psalms uh, are twins uh, with one another. Uh, we could almost just leave uh, number 5 and just say, Read and think through Psalm 119. Look at how over and over and over again the psalmist draws comfort and assurance, not just from God's word, but the fact that he has God's word. The creator of all things, the only redeemer of sinners, has spoken to you. He has given his word to you. He is for you, and he is with you. He has you know, the, old, the old saying, broken his mind to you. Uh, you know, the way we break bread at the supper, well, he gives us a piece of his mind. Too bad that phrase has such negative connotations now. Um, the Lord has divulged himself to us, maybe is, uh, is a way of saying that. I think every one of you who struggle with anxiety uh, or, or bitterness or hurt, discouragement, depression, you probably all know many scriptures that you know ought to comfort you, don't you? Very comforting scriptures, but you're not yet comforted. And so what shall you do? You throw up your hands and say, well, I know those verses, they didn't work. God forbid, right? And so he gives us meditation upon his word as a means by which to take in the comfort that we know is already uh, in, in, you know, some of, some of you have memorized them. Um, well, take 
those verses that you've memorized, uh, pull them out once in a while. Don't just leave them in the safety deposit box. You know, take it out and enjoy it. Meditate upon it before the Lord. Meditate upon him. Actually draw the comfort from him in his scripture that he has given you. Um, meditation creates, oh, that's a very uh, important one. Um, uh, 5C there on your outline. Meditation enables us to out-argue our troubling thoughts. Uh, so notice in the Psalms places like, why are you cast down, O my soul, hope in God? Or Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul. Uh, places in Scripture, and especially in the Psalter, where the Spirit teaches us to give our souls commands uh, based on the Bible. So that's what gets covered uh, in that section. Um, meditation creates a life of joy, thankfulness, and contentment. Uh, you know, they've got these laws. We're coming into an election season. I'm not sure how much electing actually occurs in these seasons anymore. But um, we're coming into an election season, and one of the, one of the laws that they have is Supposedly, you're supposed to give equal airtime for commercials. Um, well, you know, government deciding who can do what with, with their uh, press is um, a topic for another day. Uh, but there is a good application of that illustration. Will you not at least give God's word equal airtime with all of your anxieties? And all of, you know, and maybe it's uh, bitterness or, or dwelling upon what somebody else is doing or all of these things that that fill up our hearts and get our hearts will you not at least like use meditation upon his word to give what he says equal time so that his word can drown out those things and fill you instead with joy and thankfulness and contentment um meditation deepens and matures a Christian's experience. Uh, we have uh, uh, we've mentioned that already. I, um, uh, there's a section there. Bottom of, one, of 113 into the top of 114 where uh, if we don't meditate upon, if we don't consider and, uh, and as we consider his word and his truth, uh, give it weight, then the things that we believe and the things that we are committed to will be light as a feather, uh, to use the, the word picture that Watson uh, uses here. He says, a light Christian will be blown into any opinion or vice. You may blow a feather anyway, and there are many feathery Christians. Um, when we dwell upon God's word and we start to make those connections, so that our doctrines aren't all kind of separate ideas that are kind of in our, uh, our Lego basket of theological truths. Uh, and I don't know if your house is anything like mine. There's kind of this echo from the noise pollution of digging through the Legos. Um, what happens when you meditate and you connect one truth to another is they get they get clasped in together, and suddenly you have the, this 
strong whole because all of God's truth is interconnected. And it's especially interconnected with who he is, who his son is. Uh, and uh, this is something, you know, I'll give you a, a, a cheat code that I learned in seminary. I've, I hope I've given it to you before. I wouldn't want to be here seven years and not. Um, but whenever there's a theological question that is difficult, see if you can't trace it back to where it connects to the, the doctrine of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you get that right and you straighten it out all the way back to whatever it was that you were, you were dwelling upon and trying to figure, it, figure out. Because that is the great thing. That is God's priority is his glory in his son. Um, so don't be a light and feathery Christian. And in the last place, meditation improves the knowledge and retention of God's word. Uh, obviously, that's on uh, page 114. Uh, our remaining fleshliness resists the truth of God's word. Uh, that's one of the reasons scripture is difficult to memorize. Uh, the Puritans, like uh, like any other uh, wise and godly pastors in the history of the church, have urged memorization of God's word. Uh, but if your heart is resistant to God's word, you have not only uh, not only our finite minds are against us, but even that which remains from our original nature uh, is against us. Much more easy to rem- uh, to memorize. Um, songs from our youth. Uh, but praise God, uh, meditation upon his word uh, gives you a consideration of each of the words and how they fit together. And you'll have that relational interaction with him in that word that builds that kind of uh, that, that neural uh, network of connections uh, upon Uh, upon God's word. And you'll find that verses that you have meditated upon uh, will stick in your mind much more readily uh, and much more steadily. Uh, So those are the the eight benefits that he gives in uh, in chapter 10 and uh, started late, so we're out of time. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for giving us relationship with you by means of your word. Truly, O Lord, it is marvelous that you are the God who speaks, uh, and we need uh, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Uh, And so we pray that you would help us not just to read and and, uh, hear preaching. Uh, We thank you for those things, especially that we may worship you by those things. But we pray, Lord, that by your spirit, you would help us to add to that meditation upon your word, that we would take it deeply into our hearts, that it would grow up strong in a way that is able to bear fruit in our lives, 30 and 60 and 100 fold. Grant it, we ask in Jesus name. Amen.